Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Navigating Narrative with Nick. It's been a while uh, again, and it's actually a new year. Uh, so, Happy New Year to y'all, and I hope your holidays, uh, Thanksgiving, Christmas, and New Year's uh, went great. Uh, I am super excited to get back to uh, the podcast today. Because what I have in store for you guys is something that I have been thinking about and wanting to do an episode about for, uh, actually since the beginning. This is one of the episodes I had in mind uh, when I started this podcast over the last summer. So we will uh, get into that. And uh, your first hint as to what it'll be about is that it is fitting that it's raining outside right now where I am. Because it has to do, uh, rain and water has a lot to do with one of the texts we'll be dealing with today. And that leads me to my second introductory point, and that is we're finally going to do uh, one of the things that I said we were going to do at the outside of this podcast and we haven't done yet. And that is actually dig into a text. Uh, We're going to go verse by verse in this case and look at two stories, actually, and how they relate to one another. Uh, I can't wait. So, with all that out of the way, the texts we are going to be dealing with and comparing today are Genesis 1 and 2, the creation and garden narrative, and then Genesis 6 through, well, actually, we start in verse 1, verse in chapter 5, but 5 through 9. So the Noah story in Genesis, because uh, I have noticed a few things that uh, that parallel with each other in the stories, uh, and it uh, just enhances the reading of both for me, and so I can't wait to get started. Well, we begin Genesis after verse 1, so this is Genesis 1 verse 2, it says, Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Uh, By the way, I'm reading from the NIV, uh, so if any verses, if you want to follow along, are are different, um, or you won't be the same, that's what I'm using. Uh, So that's Genesis 1, verse 2. Keep that in the back of your mind as we we look at these these stories together. so, after that, it should be, a, if you read Genesis 1 through, you'll notice that uh, on most days, not all of them actually, but on most days, it will end by saying, God saw that it was good, right? It was good. It was good. And then at the end, after the sixth day of creation, uh, before he rests on day seven, uh, he looks at all of creation and says, it was very good. So that is the uh, first thing that sets us up for a parallel. Uh, And that goes, uh, brings us to Genesis 6, 19. No, no, I'm sorry, not 6, 19 yet. Uh, 6, verse 5. Uh, my bad. Uh, and that reads, uh, the Lord saw, this Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become, and that every inclination of his thoughts and his heart was only evil all the time. 
so you notice if you contrast Genesis 1 and Genesis uh, 6 here, in Genesis 1, God sees creation and it's good. Genesis 6, he looks back on creation and there's wickedness and evil. Uh, so that's the first parallel there. Uh, and so that moves us in to uh, the second, and that is more of a, a narrative uh, theme. Uh, and I told you to keep Genesis 1 verse 2 in the back of your mind, and uh, now I'm going to tell you why. And that is the flood story is the story. Remember the chaotic waters? Um, the service of the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Uh, well, the flood story is basically God letting creation go back to that chaos. Uh, the, the, those, that's what the water represents in the Noah story. So that's the next parallel of, of you have this in creation, this ordering out of chaos. Uh, in the, the creation, and then in the Noah story, you slowly have a devolving back into chaos because of man's evil. Uh, so that's the next uh, parallel there. Uh, and uh, another one, this is really interesting. If you go to Genesis one twenty seven, it's a famous verse, talks about, it says, uh, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Uh, that's a foundational verse in the Bible. It talks about what, uh, what and who humans were created to be. Uh, and it sort of, uh, again, is the, the culmination of all of creation. Then we come to Genesis 5, the very beginning of the Noah story. Uh, and it says, this is the written account of Adam's line. When God created man, he made him in his like the likeness of God. He created them male and female and blessed them. And when they had, uh, were created, he called them man. So again, you have that. The Noah story begins with reminding us, the readers, hey, remember, man is created in God's image. Uh, and so again, you have uh, the ending of one story is the beginning lines of the next. Uh, now I'm going to look at uh, bits of creation itself. So if we go back to Genesis 1, starting in verse uh, 24, he says, uh, And God said, Let the land produce living creatures according to their kind, livestock creatures that move along the ground, and the wild animals each according to their kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kind, and the livestock according to their kind, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kind, and God saw that it was good. So now we go to Genesis, I'm going to read two verses here, 6, 19, and then 7, 14. So Genesis 6, 19 says, You are to bring into the ark two of all living creatures, male and female, to keep them alive with you. So again, you have a hitting on the, the male and female and uh, just uh, touching on the animals. Um, and that's sort of a common, you know, it's in a lot of, you know, depictions of Noah's Ark, uh, two of every kind of animal and uh, in paintings and all that. Uh, so now we come to Genesis 7, verse 14, where it says, they had, actually I'll back up to verse uh, 13. 
On that very day, Noah and his sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, together with his wife and their wives, the wives of his three sons, entered the ark. Verse 14. They had with them every wild animal according to its kind, all livestock according to their kind, every creature that moves along the ground according to its kind, and every bird according to its kind, everything with wings. Pairs of all creatures that have the breath of life in them came to Noah and entered the ark. Uh, so there, if you look at the orders of the words there, it is directly parallel to Genesis. Uh, in in the uh, the animals and their kind, the livestock and its kind, the winged birds and their kind. And then in Genesis, in Genesis 2, the animals come to Adam. And then in Genesis 7, the animals come to Noah. Uh, so again, I think I don't think that's an ac- accident uh, here. That we are meant to pick up on that parallelism there. Yeah. So the story uh, happens. The flood story, um, uh, you know, progresses forty days and forty nights, uh, and then Noah sends out. Um, uh, raven and then some doves a few times um, testing to see, you know, is the water receded? Is it okay to leave the ark now? Uh, then we come to the very beginning of chapter 9 and this is the, where uh, uh, there's another comparison here. If you remember in the Genesis 1 uh, uh, 27 he told um Here we are. Right after that verse, in verse 28 of chapter 1, it says, God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves along the ground. Uh, So there you have again the repetition of the animals in the list. But this time we're told that man's original vocation was to rule over it. So... Uh, you have that's the end of creation, the culmination of creation, and now we come fast forward all the way to Genesis nine. The flood is ended, uh, and Noah and his sons and their families are exiting the ark. What's the first thing God says to them? Chapter nine, starting in verse one. Then God blessed Noah and his sons, saying to them, "Be fruitful and increase in number, and fill the earth." The fear and dread of you will fall upon the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the air, upon every living creature that moves along the ground, and upon all the fish of the sea. They are given into your hands. Everything that lives and moves will be food for you. Just as I gave you the green plants, I now give you everything. But you must not eat of the meat that has its lifeblood still in it. And for you... uh, And for your lifeblood, I will surely demand an accounting. I will demand an accounting from every animal and from each man, too. I will demand an accounting for the life of his fellow man. And then it goes on. And then in verse 7, skipping verse 6, going to verse 7, it says, As for you, be fruitful and increase in number, multiply on the earth and increase upon it. So, this is telling us that it is a restart of creation. You have nearly the exact words in both stories. Uh, Thus uh, showing that the flood narrative is meant to be an uncreation, 
through the waters of chaos and then a recreation and the revocation of Noah. And again, you get the same words, fill the earth and subdue it with one key difference. And Genesis, the only food that was given to man were the animals or, or not the animals, the plants. Then you come to Genesis 9, and God says, not only will uh, is your job to rule over the animals, but now the fear of, the, of you is in them. Because it is a vocation in a fallen world now. The world has fallen. Uh, Eve has eaten the apple, or the fruit, uh, in the garden, and then... Uh, the wickedness that was over the earth in chapter 6 and uh, the whole uh, Nephilim and the sons of God and the daughters of man. That's a different topic for a different podcast at a different time. Um, but that has uh, happened as well. And so now when God re uh, gives another vocation to Noah, it is with the sort of the caveat of a fallen world of saying, hey, yeah, now you can eat these animals because the fear of you is in them. So I thought that's neat. And uh, one other uh, fact, and then we will uh, end the episode, and that has to do with rest. Uh, The Hebrew word for rest in Genesis 1 is Shabbat, right? Uh, God created uh, looked over creations that is very good, and then he Shabbat. That word for rest in Hebrew basically means to just stop. It means to cease from. Uh, so uh, not necessarily what we would consider um, with our English word rest, um, as far as, you know, just kind of chilling out. And then we come to a guy named Noah. Noah is sort of an English form for the Hebrew word Noach. And that word means to rest as well. But Noach has more of what we would think of as rest. To Noach in Hebrew is to settle in, to get comfortable. And so, again, it's no accident that God calls a man named Rest to be uh, saved and him and his line to be saved from the chaos of, of, of creation, devolving back into the chaos waters from Genesis 1-2. Uh, he brings them through, brings uh, this guy named Rest, every type of animal, and uh, says, you know, to them, uh, to you I bring them, saves him and his family through the chaos waters, and then at the end, he gives Rest, uh, and a guy named Rest, the vocation, uh, to be fruitful and increase in number upon the earth and to rule over creation. Uh, so that is uh, where I'm going to end. And that is only one example of the incredible things that the authors of the Bible do everywhere. It's not just in Genesis. It's in uh, the poetry of the Psalms and, and the prophets. And then uh, that's just the Old Testament. The gospel writers pick up on this too. And then some of Paul's writing in his letters pick up on this. Uh, It's everywhere. I love and and plan to do more episodes where I point stuff like this out in in the Bible. 
Uh, not only because I'm a Christian, I feel like I would, I would love this even if I weren't. Uh, just as a lover of stories and, and narrative and looking at the way it all works together. It's incredible. Well, uh, that is, uh, brings us to an end today. Happy New Year, and I will see you next time.